you were you took me serious about bringing a squirrel this week, right? Because you're you're excited this morning. Uh, hey, our God saves. Our God saves. Um, I just want to just just point out a couple of things. Uh, first of all, we got a different bass player this morning. Our God saves. So uh, welcome back, Tom and uh, Miss Margaret. It's good to see you back there as well uh, after your your heart surgery. Um, if you're if you're a guest, we're excited that you're here with, at Northside Baptist Church with us as well. And we want to know a little bit more about you. Uh, you can find a little portion of your bulletin. It's got a little little tear out there. We'd love for you to fill that out. Uh, let us know who you are and, and how we can minister to you. And right now, we want to take this time to greet each other. And so find someone, shake their hand, let them know that you're excited to be in God's house this morning. And our God saves. Find your way back towards your seats. You are good, you are good. When there's nothing good in me, you are love, you are love. On display for all to see, you are light, you are light. When the darkness closes in, you are hope, you are hope. You have covered all my sins. Will 
you are magnificent. You're holy. And you are everything that we need. Well, we just pray today that your spirit speaks through Pastor BJ and it touches someone that needs you, Lord. And we pray that the ears that hear will heed to the message being brought today, Lord. And as we're about to bring up these tithes and offerings, Lord, we just pray that these tithes are acceptable and pleasing to you, Lord. We ask these things, Jesus, in your most precious and holy of all names. Amen. <coughs>
our children if they would join me down front we're gonna come over here today all right how are y'all doing good good all right I got a few things here in this hand and I want to see if you guys can first of all tell me what they are and then maybe tell me what they have in common anybody ever seen anything like this what is this it's Clorox, it's a cleaner, okay. How about this? Soap to wash your hands. Soap, soap to wash your hands. So would you use this to wash your hands? No. Nah, don't do that. How about how about this? Soap to wash dishes. Soap to wash dishes and to clean ducks. Okay. Yep. And then what about this? Maybe it's to dry it with or to clean clean with. So what? That's to clean the car. That's right. So, what do all these things have in common? Just tell me, everybody. You all know. The clean stuff. That's right. That's right. Now, why do we need to clean stuff? So that it doesn't get dirty. Wait, that's it. So, if I clean something, it never gets dirty again. No. Oh, okay. All right. Well, why do we clean stuff? What? What were you gonna say? I think we clean it because at one time it was dirty, right? Right. And we don't want to just leave it dirty. We want clean. You, know, you, want, you want clean hands, right? You get dirty hands because you what? Go out and play, or maybe maybe you change the spark plugs in, in your car, whatever. So you uh, you get dirty hands and you clean your hands up, right? Or do you get dirty dishes and you want to clean them because you don't want to eat next time on dirty dishes, right? You can do like this even if you don't want to say yes, okay? And maybe you clean the countertops or the <coughs> excuse me, or the uh, bathroom or something. And so all these things are used to clean. Well, listen, this reminds me of a story one time with, with Jesus and his disciples. Now, it was getting about time to eat supper, okay? And so what do you think they need to do before they eat supper? What do you have to do? You have to wash your hands, right? Well, they washed their feet. Now, it's not because they ate sandwiches with their feet or anything, but it was just, it was, it was proper to wash their feet to get cleaned up before supper. Now, some speculate that maybe it's because they didn't have chairs and they sat really down close to the food, and so, you know, you want to make sure everything's clean. But anyway, they needed to wash their feet, and so Jesus washed their feet for them, and he 
he did something for them to help them clean. Now, how many of you, you would say, if my hands are dirty, I'll wash my own hands. But how many people just go around saying, can I help you clean? Do you do that? Do you do that at home? Do you say, Mom, Dad, can I help you clean around the house? Can I help you? Good, I'm glad that you do that. So, so we want to, yeah, I'm listening to moms and dads groan a little bit. But listen, Jesus, he washed the disciples' feet for them, okay? But he does something even greater for all of us, including the disciples, in that he made a way to cleanse them from their sin. Now, washing their feet, it literally, it cleaned the dust and dirt and everything else off of their feet. But when he, he washes our sin away, that's something else. And he doesn't use... He doesn't use dish detergent or a rag. He did it. He did it with his own blood on the cross. And, and that's, what, that's what we believe as Christians. And when we believe that, and that he was buried and resurrected, then our sins, the Bible says, our sins are washed away. They're washed away, and we don't have to live in that sin anymore, in that dirt and that filth. Just like when you wash your hands, the dirt's gone. When Jesus washes our sin away, it's gone. And that's the only way we can really get rid of it is through the blood of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for who you are. Thank you for these children who are here. And Lord, I know that washing away our sins can sometimes be a hard concept, but Lord, I pray that even as, as young as they are, they hear that, and that one day it makes sense if they haven't already, that they turn their life over to you and they experience what it's like for you to wash away their sins. Thank you for sending Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Let's stand once again as we sing.
Please remain standing and turn to the book of Acts. We're going to continue in Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was troubled within him when he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with those who worshiped God and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Then also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers argued with him. Some said, what is this pseudo-intellectual trying to say? Others replied, he seems to be a preacher of foreign deities because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They took him and brought him to the Areopagus and said, may we learn about this new teaching you're speaking of? For what you say sounds strange to us and we want to know what these ideas mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners residing there spent their time on nothing but telling or hearing something new. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for how you've preserved it for us over the years. Speak now through your word. Speak through me, and may we have open hearts and, he and open ears to hear a message from you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. You know, talk, talk is cheap, I guess, unless you're a lawyer and then it can be expensive, but talk is cheap, and, and what I mean by that, if you look at the cover of your bulletin and you see that there today, I promise you, that's not, that's not a political statement, but when I read this passage, I say, do something, do something, even if it costs you. And I promise it's not a political statement. In fact, if you've got tennis shoes you want to get rid of, don't burn them. If they're size 14, you can bring them to me. But there are so many ways that we can get involved in our world. Do something. You see, this passage, when I read this passage and I, and I, and I come across what Paul is doing, right up front, Paul didn't just talk about the Athenians. Paul talked to the Athenians. He, did, he looked around and he saw a city full of idols. And you see it says that he was troubled or he was distressed or he was worried or he was grieved about all the things that he saw. And he didn't just go back and say, man, you won't believe all those folks down in Athens and all those idols. He didn't just talk about them. He went down and he talked to them. And that's pretty significant for us. Paul didn't just see a problem and talk about the problem. He went to the problem to address it at the core. And that's the focus of everything else that I want to share with you this morning. So there. Y'all ready to go home? Not quite yet. Paul got his hands dirty. Paul got his hands dirty. And I believe that we need more people in the church that will get their hands dirty. Now I shared with the 
with the children just a minute ago about needing soap to wash our hands and that kind of thing. And I know we have a lot of folks that do manual labor, and I was telling somebody that I don't do that very often, and so it nearly whipped me when I had to uh, rent a brush cutter this week. But I made it still in one piece and got the brush cutter back in one piece too. But I'm not talking about getting your hands dirty with physical labor. I'm talking about getting your hands dirty with carrying the gospel to the people who very much may be like the Athenians and have idols that they worship. We need people to get their hands dirty. I mean, think about it. I know that sometimes we like to characterize people. We like to put uh, just, just lump groups of people and, and, and talk about them. Uh, maybe we talk about young people. We talk about things that we wish young people would do and how we wouldn't do those things or we did different things when we were young. But when was the last time you sat down with a young person and had an honest conversation with them? And by the way, young people, listen. All right, look, look at me for a minute and not, and not your phone. Listen, if someone criticizes you or, or corrects you, don't go off pouting. Don't go off pouting. What you ought to do is bow your head and thank the good Lord that there's somebody in your life that cares enough about you to tell you the truth. And I say the same thing to people that are not young people. People like me or people that are older than me, when someone criticizes you or corrects you and they do it out of love, don't go off pouting about it. One of the best things, that one of the, one of the things we like to do is find another place, find another church sometimes. Don't do that. Stop and thank the Lord that you're in a church. Stop and thank the Lord that you got friends that love you enough to tell you the truth. That's hard to swallow sometimes because it's, it's, it's hard to do. It's hard to look at someone else and get our hands dirty and invest in their lives and, and risk that friendship in order to tell them the truth. But Paul went to the Athenians. He didn't just talk about them. He went and talked to them. Or maybe, maybe we like to talk about folks who are on the other side of the political aisle. I know not, not here, but in places far, far away, people do that. Talk about folks on the other side of the political aisle. But when's the last time you sat down and had an open dialogue with someone with a different viewpoint? I'm not saying you got to come to an agreement, but when's the last time you stopped and you just said, tell me exactly why you think that, and let me tell you why I think this, and, and had an open and honest conversation. Or we talk about people who live an unbiblical lifestyle, and before you think there's one thing there, no, there's a whole gamut of folks that fall under the category unbiblical. Unbiblical lifestyle. Maybe we'll talk about folks who live an unbiblical lifestyle. But when's the last time we stopped and talked to someone rather than just about someone and we told them about Jesus and we prayed for their hearts? When's the last time we did that? We need to get our hands dirty in sharing the gospel and investing in other people's lives like Paul did with the Athenians. Paul got his hands dirty. He didn't look around and curse the Athenians or speak ill of them. He went to them and he addressed them. Do you see what it says? It says, he was distressed or he was troubled when he saw the city full of idols. Verse 17, so he reasoned in the synagogue. So he went to the synagogue and spoke with the Jews there. And the others who were not Jews who happened to be at the synagogue, he reasoned with them as well. But not just on Saturday, not just when the synagogue was open. Do you see what else it says? And 
in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. So Paul went down to the marketplace and he talked to them. He was grieved about the idea that they didn't know Jesus and they're worshiping idols. And so rather than talk about how crazy that might seem, he went to them and spoke to them directly to share the truth of Jesus Christ. He got his hands dirty and ultimately whenever we do this, whenever we go to people and we get our hands dirty, it's amazing we begin to look a little bit like Jesus. Hold your place here in Acts, but if you will turn over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. A great passage that talks about talks about the deity of Jesus Christ, but how he has come as Emmanuel to live among us. There's a great passage there, Philippians 2, beginning in verse 5, that talks about that talks about Jesus. It talks about how he existed in the form of God, but he didn't, he didn't consider that as something that, that he would need to hold on to. It says he emptied himself, he came down to the earth, he lived life as a, as, as a man, and he was obedient to the Father, even to the point of death. Even to the point of death, he was obedient to his Father. See, he got his hands dirty because he lived among us. He walked among us. He... He sat down and he sat down with tax collectors and sinners and and shared, broke bread with them. He walked beside the disciples, even when they did foolish things. And he said, "You guys, you just have little faith." And he talked to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he said, "You're like a pit of vipers." And he went into the temple and he flipped tables. And he held little children and blessed them. He, he came down to earth and lived among us. He got his hands dirty. In fact, his hands were even stretched out on a cross in order to, in order to save us. And the Bible says in verse 10 there, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and of, of those who are in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see what Jesus has done. He got his hands dirty. He did something. He didn't just look down and say, I wish the people would turn back to me. He came to us. He came to us. But it's this next part. You have to set it up to get this next part. Look at verse 12. So then, or maybe yours says, therefore, so he's, Paul has just written, he's, he's written this letter. He's just talked about all the things that Jesus has done coming down out of the heavens, coming down to earth, going to the cross, and that Jesus now is highly exalted and that his name is above every name. Knowing that, so, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence but even more in my, in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. And then one of the most difficult verses in all of the Bible. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world. Hold firmly to the message of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor 
for nothing. Look at what all Jesus has done. Consider who he is, that he is now highly exalted. His name is above every name. And at that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. So, work out your salvation and stop complaining. Stop grumbling about things and get to work. You've got a job to do. Stop complaining and get busy. Now listen, you guys know what a soapbox is, right? Ironic that I'm talking about a soapbox and I just had soap up here. Those two are unrelated. But you know what a soapbox is? And figuratively speaking, a soapbox is when someone stands up on their soapbox and they, they got a message to deliver. And so they stand up on a soapbox and they, they, they tell you what they've been wanting to tell you but have been afraid to tell you before. And so I think if Paul had one more soapbox, he would say, stop soapboxing. Stop complaining. Because this is, what I, this is what I understand a soapbox to be. It's not inherently wrong or bad. You, you're expressing your feelings. But if we're not careful, getting up on your soapbox can be, well, it can be downright selfish, especially when we use it to complain. Because, listen, most of the time, most of the time when I complain about something, you know who I'm focused on? Me. Most of the time when I'm complaining about something, the focus is me. You see, Paul didn't complain. He didn't focus on himself. He said, whew, there's some folks that need Jesus. And he went to them and told them about Jesus. And I mean, literally, soapboxes were used to elevate or to exhaust. You stand up on this or you're above the crowd. Figuratively, when we complain, we oftentimes do the same thing because we become you know, lofty or snooty. We think we're better than the crowd so we're complaining about things I guess it boils down to pride am I prideful am I prideful C.S. Lewis said Here, here's a test for you how bad does it bother you you know you want to know if you're prideful or not if you have pride how bad does it bother you how bad does it get up under your skin whenever you're snubbed that's that British word when you're snubbed, you're left out of something, or you go unrecognized for something that you did, does it really bother you? That might be an indicator of how much pride is in your heart. Does it really bother you when someone doesn't recognize you for something that you've done, some service that you've done? Does it, does it bother you? Does it get under your skin? And then he would go on to say, if you think, C.S. Lewis again, if you think you are not conceited, you are very conceited indeed. So what are we to do? What are we to do? I think, I think as I read through scriptures, as I read especially the New Testament, I think, of, I think a lot of times pride and complaining about things seems to get pushed aside when we serve when we serve let's look again at Jesus' example you can turn to John chapter 13 if you want to but this is what I shared with the, with the children here just a little bit ago John 13 verse 3 says Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power 
and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel about his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. I love this because of what it says right up front in verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. If any man were able to stand above the crowd, it would be Jesus. Because all things were put under his power. The most powerful man in the room, the most powerful man on earth, the most powerful man who has ever lived on earth. And so he knew that now the Father has put everything under me, and so what must I do now? It's not get up and complain. It's not, to, it's, it's, you know, it's not to do anything that you might think the most powerful person would do, but it's to grab a towel and put it around me and pour water in a basin and wash some feet. It's to serve those who are closest to me. And so if that's an example for us, we don't complain. He didn't sit back. It's amazing when you piece together the, the other gospel narratives here, what the disciples actually seem to be doing at this point are arguing among themselves, complaining about who's the greatest in the kingdom, who's going to get to sit at the right hand of, the, of, of Jesus when he comes into his kingdom. And Jesus says, it's like, I'm the greatest. You're not the greatest, so let me show you what greatness is like. And grabs a bowl and washes their feet. He serves them. And so rather than joining in in the complaining, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. You see, when it's time to serve, there's, there's some preparation that takes place. There was preparation. Jesus had lived 30-some-odd years on the earth. And it says that all things were put under his power. He's prepared. But at some point, he takes action. All that preparation moves us to action. Because it says, the Bible says, so he got up. So he poured water into a basin. So he took off his garment and wrapped it wrapped a towel around his waist all these are actions things he, he was doing and he began to wash the disciples feet at some point we move from preparation to action was Paul prepared to share with the Athenians I believe he was but he didn't just sit back he went to action you see Action without prayer. So let's say, let's just say you you, you run in and you're, you're you're unprepared, and part of our preparation is study, part of it is prayer. Action without prayer, it's foolish, and it's futile. But prayer without action is faithless and fruitless. Now I know prayer can change things and, and prayer can move mountains, but how often? How often is it that in our prayer, we ought to get up from that prayer and get to work, and we don't? I read one time that the most important 10 minutes of prayer are the 10 minutes after we say amen. What are we going to do? Action without prayer is foolish and futile. Prayer without action is faithless and fruitless. Do we really believe the prayers that we pray? Or are we going to put it into action? We serve. We've seen the example 
from Jesus that we are to serve. Who can serve, though? Well, I want to share with you an excerpt from Dr. Martin Luther King's The Drum Major Instinct. You've probably heard this before, but bear with me. Dr. King said, and so, and so Jesus gave us a new norm of greatness. If you want to be important, well, wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Now, if you listen to the audio at this point, the crowd says amen, but I'll digress. That's a new definition of greatness. And this morning, the thing that I like about it, by giving that definition of greatness, it means that everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics and physics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. And you can be that servant. Anybody can serve. Now, I can test. Paul was a brilliant man. He was well studied. He was on the track to be... Top of, the, top of the class in the Pharisees, I don't guess, maybe 0037, I don't know. I mean, he was well studied, he was a smart, he was a brilliant man. But take Peter, we don't have much of his life, he was, or we don't know much about his education. He was just a, he was a, he was a laborer, not as educated as Paul was still every bit as powerful because he carried the gospel. What does it mean for us, though? What does this mean for, for Northside? How do we serve? How do we get our hands dirty? How do we carry the gospel into the world? Well, I want you to know right now, I'm, I'm so excited about something that's, that's this beginning here at, at Northside. Uh, you voted it in just a couple of weeks ago. But we, uh, we are revamping our missions and evangelism team. And so here's some things that we're looking to do on our mission and evangelism team. One is we want to do some local missions. We want to, we want to focus locally on, on some things that, that we can do. And listen, I'm telling you right now, upward sports, soccer and football and, and cheerleading, that's a part of it. I don't see that as an athletic program. I see it as a missions program that has an athletic bend. It's a mission field, folks. We're going to look to do that. We're also looking to adopt Arbor Springs Elementary School and do more than just the uh, meal at the beginning. The, the, the ladies do a fantastic job of that, and I love every time they ask me to come and, and be a part of that because I get to eat some good food. But we're going to do some more there or, or try to. Statewide, we're looking to do several things across, uh, you know, or, or we're looking into several different possibilities across uh, the United States. Part of that is to continue our partnership with the South Union Mount Zion Baptist Association, or Kentucky for short. <clears throat> the, uh, the, youth, the youth this past summer served with MFUGE. That's a camp that has a missions focus. It introduces them a lot of times to mission work. And I, it was my understanding that they enjoyed that even better than they enjoyed the uh, other camps that we'd done. So we're looking at MFUGE again this coming summer. Uh, but international, 
we're looking, we want to do something international. We're, we're going to look at that and see what we can do. Again, this coming summer, our students have the opportunity, those who graduated uh, 11th and 12th grade, to have the opportunity to go back to Ecuador and, and, and partner with the, uh, Access International and the, uh, the missionary that's there in, in Quito. But not only that, uh, we want everyone to have the opportunity to go through some evangelism training. I don't, I don't want there to be the reason that we don't share. I don't want the reason we don't share to say I don't know how to share the gospel. I want to eliminate that reason. I want to eliminate that excuse so we can take that off the table. We want to have some training available to you so you know how to share the gospel. But then these other are going to be these these other uh, opportunities I put up here are going to be are going to be opportunities for you to then practice what you've been learning. And so it's not just preparation. At some point, the preparation has to move to action. We have to get our hands dirty. We have to move forward. I mean, think of this. Suppose I was going to put a fishing team together, and we read books on fish and how to and and and, and how to fish and and how to tie knots and put flies together. And we attended seminars and we learned all the habits and traits of all the various fish that are in the streams and the ponds and lakes in Georgia. And we went to fish conferences and we went down to uh, these, these big, huge fish exhibits and we, I don't know, took pictures of fish and we told people that we got a fishing team but we never went to fish. How lame would that be? Man, I got some nice fishing gear that collects dust. I don't really. I wish I did, but I wouldn't let it collect dust. But how sad would that be? But when you stop and you think about what Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. We have books that talk about how to evangelize and share the gospel. We have conferences talking about what we should do with missions. We, we put missions teams together. We, we preach and teach the gospel. But at the end of the day, do we actually go and share the gospel? Or are we just like the guy that knows everything about fishing but never cast the rod? We can do all of this. But at the end of the day, you have to want to go fishing. And you have to go and fish. I tell this to, I, you know, I've had the opportunity to help coach uh, 10, 11, 12-year-old guys in, in football. That's Because that's about the extent of my knowledge. But I tell them, look, we can teach you the proper technique. We can even position you based on what we see. We can position you in the right place. But at the end of the day, you've got to make a play. It's you that's got to. I can't go on the field and make the play for you. You've got to do that. Look, Paul, he went to the city of Athens. And when he was there, he was troubled. And that may be part of it. Are you troubled? troubled at the lack of godliness in our world Paul was troubled and rather than talking about the Athenians he went to them and he shared the gospel with them now he went to the synagogue and went to the marketplace and he was faithful in little things 
And what we'll see next week, and what you got a hint at, even this week, is he was faithful in the little things, and they said, we'll move him over to the Areopagus. And now he's got a bigger audience and a more influential audience. And he was faithful in the little, and the Lord moved him over to something great. And he moves on to address the men who were there at the Areopagus. We're going to look at that next week as he's standing there and he can see the temple of all of the, uh, he can see the temple of the gods and goddesses and he can, he can see the, 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 the statues that are there, the idols that are there and he's standing there as he addresses the, the, the men. But he's faithful in the beginning and the Lord moves him on to something greater. And I wonder for us today, if we would be faithful in the little, is our heart been troubled such that we want to go out and share the gospel with those that we meet in the marketplace, those that we meet day to day? It's time to do something. It's time we get our hands dirty. It's time to go fishing. It's time to serve. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for people like Paul. Challenges me. Challenges me because, Lord, it is really easy to look at people that are different than me and complain. It, it, just, it just comes naturally. Nobody has to tell me that I ought to complain. I just do it. But Lord, rather than just pointing fingers and complaining, may I take on the example of Paul and go to folks and have conversations. Share Jesus. Get to know him. Get my hands dirty. And it's all right if my hands get dirty. It's all right. The example of Jesus as he came was obedient to, to you and even obedience to the cross. So, Father, I don't know where you may be calling us today. Uh, I thank you for leading our church in this way and our missions and evangelism, but Lord, uh, we can do things corporately, but we can also do things individually, and, and I pray that we take that to heart, and we go in our world and we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Lord, wherever you guide and lead, we know also that the Spirit goes with us to empower us, and Lord, we don't have to rely upon ourselves as we rely upon the Spirit who gives us the power and the strength courage to carry out the mission you've given us. Lord, it may be that someone here for the very first time says, I don't have any idea how to share the gospel because I don't really even know what it is. I've never committed my life to Jesus. What, what is all this that we're talking about? Lord, I pray they come and talk with me or talk with someone and get it, get it squared away. Let today be the day of salvation. Lord, if someone wants to join the church, let them come forward. However it is that you're leading, may we respond. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you will please stand. We've got one more song we're going to sing together. And As the Lord leads, as the Lord leads, you follow. It might be right there in your chair. It might be up here with the altar. Maybe you want to come, and I'll be happy to pray with you. But as he leads, you follow.
Amen. Are you glad you're worshiping the house of the Lord today? And hey, just uh, want to share a couple of things with you. First of all, be sure to pay attention to your bulletin. But there is one correction that we, we got into the church after the bulletins were printed. Uh, there is, this comes from our association, there is not going to be a senior celebration. Uh, so yeah, that has been canceled. I say canceled, I don't know if it's going to be rescheduled, so I'll say canceled for now rather than postponed, but just wanted you to be aware of that. Um, so uh, pay attention to your bulletin. The other things in there should be accurate. Uh, and uh, we'll invite you to come back tonight with all of our normal activities and uh, have a great day. Go out and carry the gospel to the world that is in desperate need to hear the good news of Jesus. Neil, would you come and pray us out? 